No? There we go. Don't blast them out. Wait. I need my glasses. The uh, That's supposed to be Greek up there, and it was Greek on my PC, but it didn't translate to the Mac. But it, it's... So we're going to do Greek this morning. You ready? Okay, you say, Huper Hamon. Huper is Greek for Hamon is us. Huper Hamon. It means in our place, on our behalf, for our sake, in our name, for us. And so when I read the scripture, we're going to go through the scriptures with for us in them. And when I read them, uh, I want you to say, who perihemon. The way we're going to organize our thoughts is um, problem, solution, demonstration, results. And um, there's a lot of scripture today. I don't apologize for that. Um uh, you know, in the Scottish Reformation, they didn't, they didn't have preachers. Nobody knew how to preach. The priests who were converted did not know how to preach. Um, they, all they did was mumble the Mass in Latin, and many of them didn't understand what they were saying themselves, and for sure the people didn't understand. So what they did is they... He said, man, we don't have any preachers, but we need the Word of God. And so they would just meet, and they they had a guy named a reader, and he would read the Scripture in their native tongue, English. So now we got get the Bible everywhere. It's in our phones, you know, it's in our iPads, it's here and there. But it's still the Word of God, more powerful than any two-edged sword, able to really penetrate our hearts and change and transform us. Um, generations of people never heard the word of God in their native tongue. The priests, when um, they thought Martin Luther wrote the New Testament. We are so wealthy in what we have. Blessed are your ears for they hear. Pray that our hearts will understand afresh these words you hear for they are good news that has transformed the world. And that is a matter of history. All right. Now, before we give the answer, we first have to understand the question. Before we give the solution, we have to understand the problem. And, of course, part of the problem is we're condemned by the law. God's law. God's holy holy law. Well, is the law the problem? No. Romans 7, 12, so then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Well, if it wasn't, then what was it? It was sin. Sin, in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good. So that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. So what's the problem? Then we're the problem. Was it Pogo? I've met the enemy and he is us. And uh, so that's the problem. We fall short of God's holy standards 
which are good, holy, righteous, and a reflection of his own character. So because we are, have done our own thing, gone our own way, like sheep, all of us have gone astray. Some of you are, are admitting it. <laughs> Some of you are standing there. Well, not me. <laughs> no. We all know it. Willfully disobeyed God's commands. We are under the curse of the law. That's the problem. And the curse is death. And we're in this situation. We can't, we can't help ourselves. We're stuck. Uh, we can't redeem ourselves. What is the solution? Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Huper Hamon. Come on. How, what was the solution? We, we did it today. How did it go, that song? I am forgiven because you were forsaken. What was it? I'm accepted. You were condemned. The curse he didn't deserve, he took Huper Hamon for us. Praise God. Christ redeemed us from the, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. The one who did not deserve the curse took it for us by hanging on Calvary's tree, so that instead of the curse, we might receive the transforming, regenerating blessing. The blessing of Abraham. You know what it is? Oh, you're probably looking at it. No cheat now. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. I just have my DNA run. I got nothing, no Israeli in me at all. Nothing Mideastern. 2% Nigerian, though. I knew I was a brother. <laughs> uh, so that we could receive the blessing of Abraham, the promise of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, man. That was a, that's the blessing of Abraham. And instead of the curse, we get the blessing because of what Christ has done for us. When you were dead, what was our problem? We were dead. We weren't just sick. We were dead as doornails. We were dead in our transgression, the uncircumcision of our flesh. The curse was death. We were under the sentence of death. In an important sense, we were dead. Why were we dead? Yeah, and up there? Yeah, transgression. It's always right in front of you. It's a way. Okay, what is the solution? Colossians 2, which follows the verse I just read. He made you alive together with him, having freely forgiven us all our transgressions. So what's the solution? Forgiveness. Having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, that's Kathemon against us. Not who? Not Hooper Hamon. Sorry. Um, which was hostile to us, so we have a debt. Right? That's what it says. We have a debt we cannot pay. They are written down decrees, Kathemon against us. They are hostile to us. We're in trouble because of them. So what is the solution? You guys know this song. Help me, because you don't want to hear me sing a solo here. I think we ought to sing it. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt 
I could not pay, I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Amen. That's it. That's the, that's the gospel. What is the solution? Verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood Kathemon. See, you guys are learning the Greek. With its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So the solution is to get rid of these legal demands, these, these debts we have, nail them to the cross, be done with them. And we already did this one, too, in another song. And I didn't consult with Bruce, just the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Huper Hamon. There it is. Um, he made him to, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He took our sins so we could become His righteousness. He substituted for us. who pair of Hamon. 1 Corinthians 15. You guys have all heard this before. This is why I don't mind preaching it again, because this is what Paul says about what I'm telling you this morning. I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance. This is it, man. This is, this is the number one thing. First importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Who per himon? Now, the way that works is, who per himon is there, and in the middle is the sins. Ton Amartion. So, he's got Huper Hamon. He died for the sins of us. That's another place too I'll show you. Yeah, this is the gospel. He died. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He died for us, for our sins. It's also in um, Galatians, beginning of Galatians 1, chapter 1, verse 4, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Huper Hamon. Yeah. Um, it's actually Huper Ton Amartion Hamon. So that he might rescue us from this present. He did it for a purpose to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Now, what does this demonstrate? This is Romans 5. But God shows his love. It says for us, but it's not really huper, hamon, it's eis, hermon, which means unto. He shows his love to us. In that while we were still sinners, praise God, Christ died for us. We know love by this, that for us 
literally his soul was laid down. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The result, what then shall we say to these things? You know, the stuff we hear, it just doesn't, it needs to penetrate. It's amazing stuff. Are you kidding me? What then shall we say to these things? If God is who per for us, who can be kathemon against us? What's the answer to the question? Nobody. God's for us. Do you know God is for you? For you. Man, it ought to put a spring on our step and a song in our heart. And we ought to be like, yeah, God is for me. It's awesome. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over. And the word there is as a sacrifice, as a substitutionary sacrifice. He delivered him over. Who perimon for us. For us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? What's the answer to that question? No way. Freely give us all things. The word is not, the word there is freely give is grace, you know, the root of it. So it doesn't come because we deserve it or we earn it or we're, or we're great or we're good or, no, it's freely given. All things. Because God is for you. Why? Because Jesus died for you. And, and other things. He's not against us. Yeah, who can be against us? Now, when Paul says in verse 31, for us, who is, who is he talking about? Who is the for us in Romans 8.31? Whenever you see stuff in the Scripture... Make sure you ask, who is who are they talking about? And make sure you, you take the answer from the context, not from some philosophy or theology that you superimpose on the Scripture. So in verse 31, who is he talking about? Well, he tells you in verse 29, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Those whom he predestined, he called. Same group. Those whom he called, he justified. The same group of people, he glorified. This is an aside. You say, well, I've been called and justified, but it's not in the past. See, that's past tense. He justified. He glorified. I haven't been glorified. Yeah, you have, I think, in a sense. And it's in 1 Corinthians where he says, We behold as in a mirror what the glory of the Lord, and we are changed from glory into glory into his image. It's a process, but we're going from glory to glory. And I can see it. I see it on your faces. You can tell. You can tell a brother and sister. It's in their countenance. So, then he says, so the people who were foreknown, predestined, this is why we're reformed, called, justified, glorified, these same people, 
This is the for us. Then he says, if God, God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah. What can we say to these things? The Bible gives us insight and revelation into the ancient secret counsel of God that before the foundation of the world, he foreknew a certain group of people, predestined, called, justified, glorified him. These are the ones the Father gave to the Son. Read the Gospel of John. They are his sheep. He will save them all. Not one of them will be missing. Jesus said, that you can't pull them out of the Father's hand. You can't get them out of my hand. I'm going to raise them all up on the last day. When Paul says for us, these are the people he's talking about. So how do you know you're in the group? Yeah, that'd be important to know. Well, he tells you in Romans 8.28, keep going back for the context. He says, we know that for those who love God, do you love God? That's evidence. You're in that group. And are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. How do you know you're his sheep? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That easy. Now, is everybody his sheep? No. Because in that same, in John 10, that same scripture, he says to these Pharisees who are opposing him, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. You notice he didn't say, you're not my sheep because you don't believe. He said, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Um, yeah, that's, that's the truth of it. Let me ask you this. If Christ dies for your sins, are they paid for? You bet they are. Are you saved? Yes. Do you think that if Christ paid the penalty for your sins, you're going to have to pay it? No. Do you think that if Christ died for your sins, you're going to hell? No. Do you think there are people in hell for, which, for whom Christ died? No. If he pays for your sins, they're paid for. Yeah, he, he paid the debt he did not owe. Do you think he died, went to heaven to just make salvation possible? Or did he die and go to heaven to actually save people, actually save people, successfully, effectively save people, his people, whom he foreknew before the foundations of the world? Yeah, he came and he didn't die and go to heaven and then pay the price, and then wring his hands, hoping someone would take him up on the offer. No, he is king of kings, lord of lords. He is, his will is supreme in the universe. And he, he knew he, who he was coming to save, and he came and he paid the price for them, and he went back to heaven confident. Well, I don't know how he could have been confident. He left it in the hands of 12 yahoos. But, but he, he, you know why? Because it's not about the 12 yahoos, it's about the Lord. Yeah, he actually came to save people while they were yet sinners, before many of them were born. You're free. He purchased you with his blood. 
He's for you. Yeah. For whom did he lay down his life? Lay down my life for the sheep, he says. Another way of saying it. I already went over that. So then he says in Romans 8, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? What's the answer? Nobody's going to bring an effective charge. Do they try? Yeah. What is the devil called, among other things? The accuser of the brethren. He's going to try. Is he going to be successful? No. And why is that? Because who is the one who condemns? God is the one who justifies. He's the one. And he's also the, the judge. So good luck. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes. Who per hemon? He's interceding for us. We ask each other to pray for each other, and we do a lot in this church. But the most effective prayer is Jesus praying for us. He prays for you. He prays for you. He prays for you. Hallelujah. He intercedes for us. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're destined for salvation. Predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Through our Lord Jesus Christ who died, who perhemon, come on, for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. I hope that's what that says this morning. I hope it's an encouragement to you. I hope it's an edification to you, knowing that God is for you. <clears throat> yeah. So it says in uh, Titus, who gave himself, who perhemon for us, to redeem us for purpose, redeem us from every lawless deed, purify for himself a people for his own possession, his own people, zealous for good deeds. The good deeds are the result of your redemption. You see that? Not the, not the cause of it or the means of it. This is important distinction. They are the fruit, not the root. Many people shed their blood for the truths I am telling you today. You are fortunate to hear the gospel, the good news I am proclaiming to you. None of us should take this for granted out of thankfulness to those who literally shed their blood so that we could hear this message. This message was more precious to them than their own life. I'm going to just mention one, Walter Mill, a parish priest in Scotland who embraced the gospel and then started preaching it. He was condemned as a heretic, as many of them were but escaped execution and continued preaching. And then this Cardinal Beaton, if you read it, uh, he's, he was a bad guy, finally caught him, sentenced him to die by fire. Some of these guys, they burned him for six hours, kind of slowly. And they had time to speak and everything. And this is what uh, Walter Mill said. Uh, well, on the 28th of August, 1558, Mill expired amidst the flames uttering these words. Quote, As for me, I am fourscore and two years old, 82, and cannot live long by course of nature. But a hundred better, 
better shall rise out of the ashes of my bones. I trust in God. I shall be the last to suffer death in Scotland for this cause. We are here today proclaiming the gospel because of Walter Mill and thousands of others um, that they died, that the gospel would not be silenced. We have risen out of the ashes of their bones. Ephesians 5, therefore be imitators of God, his beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us. Who per hemon? Interesting, he says he loved you and gave himself for us. But an offering and a substitutionary sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. Hebrews 6 says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Boy, do people need an anchor for their soul today? God, they're just casting around, lost, and they don't know which end is up. Do you, do you need an anchor for your soul? This is it. Knowing God is for you? That he died for you? That your sins are forgiven? Talk about an anchor oh, that makes you secure. It's awesome. We have this as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, goes directly into God's presence himself, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For Christ, this is Hebrews 9, Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands and copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God, who per for us. He's in the presence of God for us. He's interceding for us. The accuser comes up, says, this guy's sinned here, and he pleads his own, as high priest, he pleads, the sacrifice of his own blood. He intercedes on your behalf. He is your attorney. He represents you. How do you think it'll come out? Pretty good. God the Father has demonstrated his love for us by sending his son, Jesus, to die in our place as, our, as a substitute for us we whom he foreknew, predestined, called, we his sheep who heard his call, believed in him, and followed him. It's been years, hasn't it, for a lot of us, where we heard that call. It was a factual call. When God calls somebody, he's not hoping. I mean, it's, it's effectual. With the call is the ability, the power to say yes and respond. That's what he just went after us, and he got us. For me, it's been 48 years ago. Praise God, you know. So thankful. He it is who is now at the Father's right hand, representing us, interceding for us. You think the Father will hear his prayer? What then shall we say to these things? I'm repeating this: If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Yes, Lord, we want them all. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, who was raised, who is at the Father's right hand, and who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword or all the trials of life? Is it going to separate us from the love of Christ? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Paul was sure of this, I am sure of this, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers or things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. As the brothers come... We're going to end early. You don't mind, do you? Brothers, come for communion. I'm going to share two more Greek phrases with you. <clears throat>